The Money Show. Shapeshifters. So I've got a remarkable older brother who, whenever I take my kids to visit, there's always something from the crazy store to entertain them. It's not something that's designed for a long time. It's designed for a good time. But the kids absolutely love it, and they have a brilliant time with the item. Now, by the end of this year, there could be as many as 500 crazy stores around Southern Africa. And it's the job of Kevin Leonard, the managing director at Crazy Store for the past decade, to make that happen. They're sitting on about 430-odd stores at the moment. But before we get into Crazy Store and growth and the history and all of that sort of stuff, you're in New York City, Kevin. You're at the National Retail Federation Council. Of what relevance is that? to you, your day job, and the crazy store. Yeah, uh, good afternoon, uh, Bruce, and good evening to all of you back home. Uh, yeah, the, the National Retail Federation is a, is a retail conference. Um, and what, what we do is I come here every couple of years, and we listen to fantastic speakers, all the CEOs of all the largest American retailers, as well as some international retailers as well, who give their outlook on on what's happening in retail, what the forecasting is, how it's been for the last year or two, and then backed up by economists and shapeshifters of, of, of those ilks, um, telling us what to expect and what not to expect in, in the world of retail. So we come here hoping to learn a few things and to bring them back home and uh, to inspire us to continue delivering uh, what we believe is world-class retail back in South Africa. Well, what do you learn, though? I mean, again, the, the crazy store isn't a unique concept. There are pound stores and dollar stores all over the world that do kind of similar things. I, I'm guessing that the origins of crazy store would come uh, from that sort of influence. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and if you look at the, the, the dollar stores and, 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 the, and the ilk at the moment, they are absolutely flying and expanding in the, in the current uh, economic sort of conditions that are out there. Both all of those businesses are absolutely thriving, so it gives us the confidence. But you, but you also need to learn from the the high end retailers as well. It isn't about delivering just a certain service for what you perceive to be a certain customer. You want to make sure that the experience you give, no matter what type of retail you are, is is world class, and that when people walk in and walk out of your store, that they want to come back and that they really feel good and they actually feel happy and and nicely engaged. So yeah, lots to learn when you when you when you when you walk the streets of, of New York as well. You know you spend lots of time going in and out of stores and there are so many retail outlets here of all sorts of different types so it's a you know, it's a fantastic uh, in many ways affirmation of what we're doing and it also makes you think twice about certain things you are doing and how we can do them better i mean just because you're selling inexpensive stuff doesn't mean that you your customer has to have a cheap experience if you know what i mean if you could differentiate between those two things Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the biggest biggest drives we've had in the last sort of 10, 11 years was about trying to make sure that our business is legitimate and uh, credit worthy to to everybody and that it's a credible business. Uh, and the experience is driven by, we have we have a couple of programs in, in our stores, which is uh, five-star service uh, at your service, and then backed up by another principle of, of all, which is authority, which is the authority of our staff knowing what they're doing. The W stands for warmth and the E stands for empathy. And we want our staff to in, interact with our customers in that way. And I think we all appreciate that when we get treated well. So, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're spending uh, 100 rand or you're spending a couple of thousand rand, we all still want to be treated well. We still want to enjoy the experience. No, exactly right. And, and, and so what, what lessons are you bringing back from New York City then, from, from what you've seen this time around, is how has the world changed from, uh, from, from, a, from a retail perspective? 
So the, the 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 big the big takeaway that I've picked up this year, which is the physical retail is back. Uh, I remember coming here in my days when I was with Sportsman's Warehouse. I used to come to the conference as well. And about 25 years ago, talking about that retail is dead. Uh, the theme this year is that physical retail is back. Um, and and what it's doing is that it's it, it's uh, it's it's interacting with digital and. And to the point that most of the retailers are talking about digital needs the physical. So you speak to, uh, or you listen to the CEO of Lowe's, for example, which is a hotel, uh, home improvement company um, uh, with 2,200 stores. Uh, basically, what they're talking about is, is the physical actually drives their digital because they've got 2,200 distribution centers. So that's been a big, that's been a, that's probably been a big take back. The other thing is that, you know, and it's, this, this is what I really like. I've always spoken about the fact that retail is, is, is really a simple game that we managed to overcomplicate terribly. Uh, it's an old profession. It's the same profession. It's about providing goods that people need at a really good value price and in the best possible way. And we tend to complicate it so much that we forget about the front line. We forget about the the amazing staff that you need to deliver great service to your customer. And there's been a lot of that talk back again this year about you know making sure that your front line is well looked after and that your staff are well trained and educated and and engaged and that we you know we reward them mentally as well as um, you know physically and from a pay perspective we're talking about actually acknowledging people doing jobs well and and that's been a big that's been a big big drive uh, aside from that the 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 talk here Bruce and I'm sure you know it better than I do is they they reckon that America is not going to go into recession if it does it's going to be a very very mild recession and they're very very optimistic about 2024 so I'm hoping that'll translate into a very optimistic 2024 back home in South Africa as well. And, and this year they're seeing a steady growth. So uh, it's, it's, it's quite a positive outlook, which is, which is really nice to hear from a, from a retailer perspective, uh, certainly. You cut your teeth at Sportsman's Warehouse. That's where you learned your trade. Um, what was it that drew you into the Crazy Store? Because Crazy Store, I think, is about 25 years old. You've been there for the last 10. Yeah, I'm in my 11th year now. I, I, I spent 20 years at Sportsman's and uh, left there to take a, a year sabbatical and and got uh, got a call to come and consider the crazy store. And, and what I loved about what I saw was, well, first of all, I thought there was a lot of low-hanging fruit and a lot of opportunity in a business that had been really well set up and, and well positioned by the previous leadership teams. Um, but aside from that, the, the the appeal is that you really, you know, our saying is you never know what you might find. And there is such a wide variety of product uh, and, and the ability to continually bringing in new product, new exciting product, new exciting product categories. So there's never a dull day in retail full stop. But in the crazy store, there are so many different categories. You know, you might find this year balls are doing really well. Uh, next year, it's the novelty department. Then it's pets. Then it's toys. Then it's stationery. There's arts and crafts. And you move. You move through the different little tides, I suppose you'd call them, of success or failures of those products as they come and go, the ebbs and flows. So that really appealed to me, the opportunity to to take that wide uh, amount of product and categories and turn it into something that the consumer could understand and find easily in our store, organize it well and make it a, a really simple, convenient, easy shopping experience. So, so it's been a great, it's been great fun, actually. Uh, how do you choose? I mean, do you uh, are you led by customers? I mean, your customers, as you say, if they're suddenly m- more keen in stationery than ever before, you stock more stationery. If they're more keen on balls or squidgy toys or whatever the case is, you, you stock more of those things. Are, are you customer-led in that respect or trends, global global trends-led? 
And so I think it's I think it's all of the above. First of all, I think that we can create demand. Uh, so if I decide that I think that really we can do a lot better in bulls and we should be selling more bulls, we'll focus on that. We'll buy in more bulls. We'll, en- we'll enlarge our range. We'll find better price points. We'll find a wider range of price points. We'll display it better in our stores. We'll advertise it more vigorously. And you create a demand. So I think that, you know, with 462 doors or stores in, in, in the country, you actually, by just simply displaying it well and, and, and doing it cons- concisely and, and, and consistently across all stores, you create demand. Aside from that, you, we, I definitely spend a lot of time in stores. And, uh, uh, you know, one of my Fun, most fun experiences recently was Christmas Eve. I, I got to our Canal Walk store at eight o'clock for an hour or two, wanted to see how they were doing and left there at two o'clock because it was so busy and the customers just, to, you can see where they're shopping, what they're looking at and immediately you get an idea of what they need more of by seeing where, they, where they're heading to, which aisle they're at. So I think a lot of that and yes, internationally, when I spend time in, in America, like now, I spend time walking in and out of all types of retailers, not just our type of retailer, all types, seeing what what where they're putting their focus behind. And that generally inspires us to say, well, there's a direction here that we can go in. How do you choose what goes into the store? I mean, it, it, it's, it's a, a weird question because the store, as you say, you never know what you might find. I, I, I've, I kind of am confused on the strategy. The strategy is to delight customers, fine, uh, but you're neither fish nor fowl. It, it's kind of trying to work out what you are from... Uh, inexpensive coat hangers to fun toys to gizmos to pictures to stationery or it's practically everything yeah it, it is and and it's and it's funny enough that one of the things that i wrestled with and i joined the business almost 11 years ago trying to say well who are we and what are we and i think effectively we're a general dealer um of, of almost of an old ilk but we 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 i guess we what we do is we center our business around toys which is a which is a go-to for kids, and that's and we our toy department is is very significant and 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 large and does well and and has a good variety for for all takers, uh, and then we build it around needs around what other departments that that customers need in their daily lives. So we've got a kitchen kitchenware department, we've got a stationery department. So we build it a lot around what people actually need. And what we find is, you know, the need twos are very important in tough times. The nice twos are great in easy times. So, you know, we like to have product that people feel they need to come into our store to get. So, you know, lines like black bags and consumable lines are very important because it brings people back all the time. But all the time it's serving a daily need of the customer. So it's not just a frivolous uh, concept only if it was just frivolous we'd just have bouncing eggs like i threw at you about <laughs> eight years ago <laughs> no exactly I've, I've still got the bouncing egg and occasionally my kids put it in Good. the fridge and it still gets me no it's still there um a <laughs> lot of the stuff i mean the quality of product is a concern though i mean as i was saying you know my brother's very good at this sort of stuff and he buys stuff for a good time not a long time and the kids have had a, 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 had a jewel with lots of different things but it's for a couple of days um and you kind of worry in a 21st century more environmentally conscious society that a lot of this stuff doesn't last very long and ends up in landfill. So, so I'll I'll always argue with you on that again, but I'll agree at the same time. Again, going back, that's something to be worried about. Um, one of the things we introduced is our promise statement. So our promise statement is simply around the product. If you're not happy with the product, consider it sorted. We don't debate it. It comes back. We'll refund you. We'll exchange you. We'll advise you on something different. Uh, since since uh, 
sort of I've joined, we've put in a customer care department. We've got about six operators who run there all the time. Uh, we have put in a, a, a testing department as well uh, from a product concept perspective. Because, yes, you've got to be careful. Product comes from a long way away, and, and, and what you ask for and what you get isn't always the same. So we um, are not happy uh, at all with wanting products to last a couple of days. They must last longer. And uh, we are only too happy to back that up by, by supporting those customers who may be disappointed in our stores. It's all about being credible. Uh, it's 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 fine to have something that works for a day or two, but quite frankly, we want it to last a long time. I can say to you, with the greatest of honesty, I buy a lot of products from the crazy store. Um, and I'm very rarely disappointed these days, which is fantastic. And every time we are disappointed, it's great. It's an opportunity to learn and to do it better. So, no, it, it, we want to move away from that stereotype. You know, we need to make mm. sure that everyone trusts us, firstly, and trusts our products, secondly. And uh, if we let them down, we will back up, back them up. That's, they, they, can, they can absolutely rely on that. What makes a good product? One that sells, obviously, but um, something more than that. Yeah, obviously something that sells. A good product is something that, first of all, a good product is well packaged, is well thought out, and it appeals to somebody for a purpose. Uh, so, you know, a, a great product, there are lots of fantastic products out there, but they don't have a wide appeal, or they only appeal to a very narrow spectrum of people. So I would say a good product is something that appeals to a fairly broad base of people, works well for that broad base of people and and brings them enjoyment and enjoyment can be in use of enjoyment a good pillow uh, in, a, in a decent hotel that gives you enjoyment and i think better than have a good night's sleep so a good product is something that brings you a desired result a bit of pleasure or or fulfilling the service or the, the need that it that it was supposed to fulfill when it comes to the growth opportunity, you say you've got 462 stores, possibly 500 stores in South Africa, Botswana, and where's the other place that you are? Namibia. And Namibia. Namibia. There we go. Uh, by the end of this year. I mean, that's a hell of a growth ambition in a very low growth economy. But I think maybe Crazy Store is very well positioned for an economy that is under distress. Yeah, I think I think uh, our business is well positioned. Firstly, uh, our consumer base is from age two to age hundred. Uh, there's something for everybody there, so it works. Be it the older uh, person buying something for their for their grandchildren or their children or their nephews, cousins, whatever it might be, um, and also across all gender lines, it appeals to to to. To somebody, so there's plenty of growth prospects. I think still in in South Africa for for a store for a chain like ours, um, there's no doubt that um, South Africa has got a lot of retail destination. I know we often debate whether we maybe have too many retail destinations, but I think the landlords will tell you right now that their vacancy rates are lower than they have been for a while. And uh, generally, what the biggest trend that I've noticed in the last 10 years is that ultimately people want convenience. So and we benefited that dramatically from during the COVID period. People didn't want to have to drive 30, 40 minutes to, to a shop. They wanted to get to the neighborhood center, get in there and get out as quickly as possible with the least disruption to their lives as possible to get home and relax and try and recover from a very stressful world that we live in. Yeah, and if you can bring a little bit of fun in, I think that's, you know, part of, part of it as well is bringing a bit of joy into the system as well. Is the model transportable beyond 
the the territories in which you currently operate? Is it transportable beyond Botswana, beyond Namibia, beyond South Africa, which are this region's wealthier countries? Yeah, I, th- I think it is. Obviously, the biggest challenge there is logistics. Uh, I mean, we our, our product, cost of product you know, is, is low. I think our average spend sitting at about 106 rand, and that's about 3.3 items. So it's a it's a challenge from a logistic perspective. But will it succeed in Zambia and potentially Nigeria and places like that? Absolutely. Would it succeed in America? I think it would. Uh, but it's about it's about logistics, and for us right now. It's about we believe there's plenty of growth within our own country and we want to make sure that we, we do the job properly here rather than being distracted. What gives you the sense that you should continue investing in the South African environment, not diversifying your risk as so many people are intent on doing? <laughs> that's, a very, that's a very tough, tough question. <laughs> uh, look, I think that, our, our, first of all, our retail, every time I travel, our retail in South Africa is, is world-class, be it all the various brands that you and I know and love. I think, first of all, we've, we're, we really do a good job. Secondly, I think that our, our, our country and our economy, despite all the toughness and the challenges it goes through, we're so resilient and the South African people are so open to change and to embracing change and to finding better way of doing it or working around problems. Um, South Africa is without doubt in my mind still a uh, a country with a great future. I, I am an optimist, and I'll uh, regarding our country, and I'll I'll never change from that perspective. One of the on a lighter note, one of the speakers at the conference spoke about overcoming hurdles, and they said, you know, if the elevator is broken, use the stairs. And I wanted to tell them, but we use the stairs anyway because the moment <laughs> we have load shedding. But I thought I'd better leave that alone. <laughs> they wouldn't understand. They really wouldn't understand. <laughs> what? What? I what's... kept I kept waiting for the lecture on 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 load shedding. It never came up. I was hoping to learn what's, something. What is wrong <laughs> with these people? Don't they understand what real problems are? And um, what what's <laughs> what's your pet peeve at the moment? What's really annoying you about anything to do with the the way in which you operate? Um, pet peeves would, uh, well, first of all, on a broader perspective, I, I find that uh, people who don't treat other people with respect, that's, that's it's a, always a big pet peeve. Uh, I, I, I hate sometimes seeing how people treat waiters or waitresses or restaurant owners or, I mean, or your, retailers. Your staff, or your, your staff <laughs> must get it in the neck from customers all the time. I mean, they're customer-facing they permanently. Absolutely yeah. they do. And, and it's tough for them. And, you know, whenever I walk into a Woolworths or something, I, I always am amazed. You know, you walk in there at nine in the morning and the place looks spotless. You know, that didn't happen by accident. It happened because there's a whole bunch of amazing people doing amazing things, making the, the, the store environment look amazing. So that's always a pet peeve. The other pet peeve I have right now is, is, is about retail. Uh, you know, in January, I noticed in South Africa, and I'm same thing in New York, as I'm walking around the streets here and back home in South Africa, I see these big signs. They say up to 50% off, up to 60% off. I can never find the up to 50% items. I only find the ones up to 20. And I know we've probably been guilty of that in my lifetime as well, but it is a real peeve. It makes, in fact, I'm going to go into a store here and I'm going to say, I want to see the under 60. The sixty percent of some. Can you find it for me? I'm not sure that will. That's no, but that, and it, it's a lie, and it's a con, and we fall for it all the time. And until we push back in the way you propose, actually, will it, it'll continue? Do you read much? Do you I mean do you, do you, you like to go to conferences? You learn, you you absorb in that environment. Do you bother sort of reading for for growth and for learning? 
Yeah, I love reading. Reading is one of my escapes. Uh, currently, I'm reading Kurt Becker, uh, the, the title, the book titled Billions. Yeah. Uh, that's a really fascinating book. A lot, a lot of learnings there. Uh, I balance it with um, I balance it with reading a good novel. So I'm reading a David Baldacci novel at the same time, which ah. I purchased at the crazy store. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I love I love that. I'm not big on self help. I love reading leadership books. I've read your books, Bruce. I like books oh. where there's a bit of a case study where you can follow a tale or a story. I'm a shopkeeper. I'm simple. We have to follow a very simple story to to understand things. So yeah, I love reading. Who do you think? I mean, present company excluded, of course. South Africa's greatest retailer of the last hundred years. Sure. Well, two people come to mind that I've always personally highly, highly valued, and and, and that would be Raymond Ackerman, obviously Pick and Pay, and and possibly not as well known, but Laurie Capini uh, from uh, Mr. Price Group. Uh, both of those were, in my mind, true traders uh, of the highest order and understood really what the customer is after. Lovely insights. Thank you, Kevin Leonard, the managing director of the Crazy Store on the line to us from New York City this evening. Uh, if you want to be, if you want absolute clarity and a clear signal, um, we must talk only to people in international countries, far away from us. Uh, he's at the National Federation Council, uh, National Retail Federation Council in New York City, picking up some tips on how to perk up the crazy store. 462 crazy stores, Namibia, Botswana, and South Africa, most in South Africa, 500 by year, year end. Big growth ambitions.